Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh. This is bonus episode number six. On this episode, I've got a great conversation with John Williford of Heart Support. He is their director of development, and it was really important to me to have this conversation. Um, As many of you probably know, I am in the masterclass that Heart Support is having, Um, so I've gotten to know John a little bit over the last, I guess, couple months now, Um, and yeah, he's just a super positive dude, Um, has a lot of great insight and things like that, Um, so I definitely wanted to get him on the the show and kind of let him talk about Heart Support in general. you know, mental health, the suicide statistics, he delivers them better than anybody else I know um, to talk about them and and whatnot. So I really appreciate him taking the time for this. Um, And again, with how open and honest he was throughout this episode, um, it's been really refreshing to see the the people that we've done these self-care talks with that they're so willing to have that conversation. You know, it's, it's great to know that basically we're all tired of not being able to talk about our feelings and being told that it's not okay to, to feel depressed or anxious or whatever. So again, thanks to John for doing this conversation. Um, for anyone that's in the masterclass, there were a couple questions that got asked in our group that I made sure John answered for us. Um, for anyone that's not in the, the masterclass with us, they're still pretty funny questions, so uh, definitely worth listening the whole way through our conversation. Um, and yeah, that is where we're going to jump into this episode of the Self-Care Talk series with John Williford of Heart Support. Basically, what we'll do to, to kind of kick off for the episode, uh, for people that don't know who you are, let's uh, start with the, the standard introduction, your name, kind of what you do, and a little background on yourself, bud. Cool. And should I should I follow any format or just go ahead? It doesn't you matter. Nope. No, okay. just <laughs> any format. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Uh, my name is John Williford. I'm the Director of Development at Heart Support and have been working at Heart Support for about four years. Um, man, I am probably, and this is my own opinion, the least metal person on staff. <laughs> so my, uh, you know, coming into Heart Support and the story of how I got here in particular is a little bit different than the rest of the staff. And um, I, before I get into the half an hour version of my, <laughs> do you want me to go into that, Josh? Just how I'm what, yeah, whatever you want to talk about, man, like, um, you know, whatever you think is important information for the, the people to know. Sounds good. I'll talk a little bit about my uh, story coming into heart support and stuff like that. And two yeah. hours from now, just stop me. Uh, when yeah. I'm still totally talking. good with that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've been in heart support for four years. And I um, so a little bit before that about my story and who I am. I grew up in Dallas, Texas. So I live in Houston now, um, building the Houston chapter of heart support and stuff like that. But I grew up in Dallas. Uh, I joined the military when I was 18 after high school because I couldn't get into any colleges, didn't know what I would want to do, even if I got in. 
and the Marines in their uniforms look pretty cool. And I was like, well, I'm going to do the military. Uh, I'm going to go do the Marines and then I'm going to join the infantry because that seems really cool. Yeah. And, you know, I was in the military for a while, uh, for four years. Uh, that for me, not to go into that rabbit trail, I have to save all my veteran stuff for Ben's veteran initiative now. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, for me, that was a four years of a love hate, uh, loving the military and the people that I got to meet, you know, brothers that I still talk to, got to see the world became a man very quickly, <laughs> but, uh, hated the way it was run. Uh, and I, I am using that word. Uh, I, I hated the, the people that were, um, you know, in charge and the politics of the military and, and things like that, um, was deployed to Iraq, all that good stuff. So did that for four years, got out. And all of my friends in Dallas had moved down to Austin, uh, which is one of the bigger, uh, you know, just party cities um, in the country, and uh, ran away from the military. Not literally, <laughs> right. but uh, got my honorable discharge and said, I'm done with this. You know, I'm going to go do whatever I want now. Went to Austin, partied my face off for two or three years, um, not happy, hating life, um, when talk about mental illness, um, I probably had depression at that time. I was never diagnosed or anything like that. Um, but just sort of chased, chased what I thought would make me happy or, to, or make me feel like I had some value in um, drinking all the time, uh, the opposite sex, uh, whatever it was, to make me feel good for five minutes. Uh, so did that for a while. And then, of course, a couple years doing that, hit a pretty good rock bottom. Um, and that's when I met Ben Sledge and I remember meeting Ben and thinking, okay, this dude's biceps are like too big. This is ridiculous. Right. And he sounds like Matthew McConaughey, but I met Ben and he was the first person that sort of accepted me for who I was before I could kind of like prove to him how cool I thought I was, if that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, Ben was a pastor. I'm a pastor now. I was not then, but Ben was a pastor and he kept telling me, Hey man, come dude, come to my Bible study. Just come check it out or whatever. And I was always be like, nah, man, I really don't want to <laughs> like, I want to do what I want to do. Yeah. <clears throat> and I want to, I don't know, continue to do these things that are just, I know they're horrible, but like, I just, I don't care. And he kept inviting me. I kept saying no. And then eventually I hit that bottom and called Ben, you know, like walking back with no shirt on from some party and on campus um, on drugs and just calling him and saying, dude, I need help. Like I'm done. I need help. This is like the end of my, my rope here. Um, yeah. And so I called him and was like, cool, man. All right. This is what we're going to do. Like come to my Bible study. We'll do this and this. And I was like, all right, great, man. Where is it? He goes, it's at this bar and you have to go here and this and this. And at the time <laughs> for me, that was a big <clears throat> Um, that's when I'd sort of form my relationship with Jesus, where I get a lot of my strength and value from. And before that had happened, I thought like, oh, uh, to, to be able to be a good person and to live that kind of lifestyle. All right. I got to go back to church. I can't curse anymore. No more cursing. Uh, can't drink all that sort of stuff. Don't talk to women. Women are done like for five years and all of this stuff. Like you got to follow the rules, right. uh, and then you will be a better person. And Ben invited me into his group of people and they lived a radically different lifestyle than that, which was, Hey man, you're good. And we value you and you're loved already. You don't have to, you don't have to jump so high and you don't have to do all this stuff. So that something in my mind and how old was I, I was like 23, 24, something flipped 
in my mind. And I've never been the same after that and made it my mission to that, that feeling that I felt completely accepted um, without any sort of uh, expectations or anything like that became my mission to sort of give to other people that feeling. And so I uh, started going back to church. People started telling me I should go to seminary and be a pastor. And at first I was like, what? No. And eventually just felt like it was something that I did want to do. <clears throat> and then that was the best way to communicate to people that they're loved and valued and stuff like that. So I went to seminary, got my seminary degree, met my wife. Uh, so I'm still in Austin at this point and then moved to Houston. And I, all I knew at that point in my life is that I love people. I'm a people person and I want to look people in the face, tell them, Hey, you're awesome. You're good. You're going to make it through your stuff. But I didn't really know how that was going to work. So I thought, okay, I'll be a pastor. And I thought that meant standing on a stage and giving these really cool lessons and metaphors and like looking really smart and cool and all that sort of stuff. Um, And so we moved to Houston and I could not find a job as a pastor. Couldn't do it. Uh, I didn't want to work at a um, sort of like an old school, you know, maybe older, older demographic or older uh, values or traditions and stuff like that. And so for Houston, that was, that was difficult and um, struggled to find a job for a couple of years and fell into a different type of depression which was um, not sure what I'm supposed to be doing here. And so that's when Ben uh, came back and he was like, so Ben had been working for heart support for two or three or four years at this point. He was like, dude, you should come work for heart support, man. And I was like, I don't know, man, I look like this. Like I look like a dad. I'm not going to fit into like the metal scene and like emo kids, which is uh, back then. And if you weren't really, in heart support, that's what it looked like. It was like, you know, Hey, that's great. But like, I'm not going to fit in in that crowd or whatever. And so still couldn't find a job, still couldn't find a job. What I now know is that other doors I think were being closed to me and that heart support and its opportunity was where I was supposed to be. So like, all right, fine. Uh, came on board at heart support and a year in fell in love with it. And I've never really, uh, you know, changed into someone who fits in with the scene per se, uh, but just loved that at the end of the day, it was just kids with broken hearts, man. In this, in this particular scene, and they were running to this particular scene, uh, yeah. metal and that whole, you know, all the genres that eclipse that warped toward that, all that music. And that music was speaking to them. And for them to have someone a little bit older, maybe with a little bit of life wisdom, come to them uh, uh, under a tent at warp Tour and say uh, that they are valued and loved and all of that. Some of them never heard that before in their lives. Um, many of them are walking around with scars in their arms. Um, some of them are wearing like sweaters and hoodies, you know, in the middle of the summer yeah, because they're hiding their scars and things like that. So, um, yeah, fell in love with heart support and loved it. And, uh, been here for, for four years. And the first three years was, um, I was hired on as the fundraising manager. So heart support used to have a, like, uh, churches will do. If you have a friend that goes on a mission trip, a friend will hit you up and they'll raise funds for their own salary or their own right. trip. Heart support used to do that like eight years ago. Um, but they hired me on so that they don't have to do that anymore. So I started as the fundraising manager and um, built a couple of systems and different mechanisms and different types of fundraisers and stuff like that really closely with Nate yeah. uh, to, you know, fulfill the heart support budget every year and um, figured out how to do that well. And that was good. And I still do that, uh, <laughs> not, not full time, but, uh, 
yeah, still the fundraising manager and run the online campaigns, but that's usually only once or twice a year and have relationships with all of our donors online, uh, anyone who gives online, stuff like that. Uh, and so did that for two or three years. Um, the fundraising manager position was also kind of a jack of all trades or whatever you want to call it. Also deployed to warp tour, uh, for a whole summer, did those just grueling, uh, tours, uh, and talk to kids just did general on the ground outreach work. Yeah. So <clears throat> did that for about three years and then in comes Dave King about a year and a half ago. And Dave is someone that has always been behind the scenes at heart support, but who, uh, I had never met Ben and Nate had met him. And, and he is someone that was mentoring Jake, uh, behind the scenes, just as a personal relationship. Yeah. <clears throat> and come to find out that some of the big decisions we had made at heart support were things that had come from Dave, uh, to Jake and so on and so forth. So Dave comes in, Jake says, okay, Dave is now going to be the executive director of heart support. We're going to follow him, stuff like that. Um, and Dave sets about restructuring almost the entirety of what it is we do. <laughs> uh, it almost looks the same, but Dave comes in with a philosophy of um, it's not really about shiny new programs and projects and, and things like this, but uh, what he starts to do is immediately pour into the team at Heart Support. Mm -hmm. Me, Taylor, Dan, Casey, Ben, and Nate, and grow us up into... And, and honestly confront us with a lot of things that uh, we weren't confronted with before. So instead of spending a lot of time figuring out, for example, how do we get our email clicks up, you know, and like, oh, how do we, excuse me, use this spreadsheet, get our open rates up and stuff like that. Dave comes in and he doesn't so much talk about that kind of stuff. He more talks about like, are you going to be on time to this meeting that you said you were going to be at? Where's your integrity at? Where's your commitment at? do you really love people or are you trying to look cool and look like you love people and, you know, just integrity with a capital I and, yeah. and it was uncomfortable. Uh, especially for me with the veteran stuff. Um, he would like, I'm sure you'll probably meet him in person at some point, yeah. you know, see what it is that you're struggling with. He's able to see it. And once you know it, like look out, if you know him for a certain amount of time, he'll reach in and pull that thing out. And he does it in a really good way. Like he, he does it in a, in a way that you want a mentor to do. Uh, and, and anyway, that's the rabbit trail. But Dave came, he comes in, starts doing stuff like that. And he goes, all right, the online stuff, we're going to continue. We're going to improve on. We're going to keep doing the online stuff. Also, we're going to start developing impact zones all around the country. Uh, you know, kind of talks about what an impact zone is, this and this. So I'm in Houston and I go, me, I want to do that now. Let's do that. And so I've still been doing the fundraising stuff. I write grants for hard support as well, but I'm most passionate about the Houston chapter. I've been calling it the first chapter, but it's not really the first one. It goes right along with what Jake's doing in Lancaster, yeah. uh, Detroit, LA and Nashville, but I live here. So of course I'm biased and I like to see <laughs> yeah. that sort of thing. So I'll, I'll stop there and, and we can go on to a next question, but that's what I'm doing now. Building the Houston chapter, a little bit of fundraising, writing grants, and I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be and loving it. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, from hearing your background and the story, um, I think the, the key point that hit me is the same struggle that a lot of people have. And it's finding that purpose, you know, like you were saying is you look for it at the bottom of a bottle 
in another person, whatever the case may be, because you're just trying to find something that makes you feel good. And then when you actually find something that makes you feel good and it's not a temporary thing, it's a light switch and everything changes and you're ready to, to run, you know, full steam against it. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think so what we'll do to, to start with now, uh, I'm going to throw the first of the, the masterclass questions oh, at you. It's an easy one to start with, though. Okay. Uh, Katie wants to know, what's your favorite band or artist at the moment? Well, first, I'm glad you're using names so I can call them out later. When right. we do our <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't have to say last names, I can usually, I wonder if it's King Dolan. Favorite band right now? Ooh, okay. All right. Uh, I am into Swedish heavy metal. Um, which seems really like niche, but you guys probably all do Swedish heavy metal too. Um, uh, Soil Work is my favorite band. Um, okay. Never heard of them. They, I, mm, man, I have never heard another band mix uh, vocals and just like hardcore hardcoreness together so easily. Yeah. They're a lot like. So, do you know them, Josh? I, I've heard a few of their songs. I haven't like dove into their catalog, but I've heard a couple of them. Yep, they're a lot like In Flames. Uh, and they're a lot like, they're pretty, they're in the same world as ABR, but, yeah. uh, soul work is a lot more like, uh, they have this epic feel to them and, uh, they do, they sing in English and I still don't know what they're talking about because it's metal and they're screaming, but, right. um, yeah, that particular band has always been for me far and away my favorite band. Um, and I work out and run to their music a lot and yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Solid. Um, so one thing I do want you to do, because I think you do it better than anybody else, and I've purposely held this question for your, your oh. episode, I want you to hit us with the stats, the suicide stats, just like you do at the beginning oh, of yeah. Masterclass, you know, yeah. to, to really put it in perspective for people, you know, I think a lot of people understand <sighs> that it is a problem, but they don't understand the gravity of the problem. And again, I think you, you hit those stats better than anybody else I've heard throw them out. Well, I'm, I'm glad I work at Heart Support. I'm glad I'm around those stats so often that I know them now. Because if, if not, you, <laughs> like, I'm glad uh, I'm not on the spot. I have to Google them real quick. Right. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, if you're a volunteer at Heart Support, you should know. Um, if you're in our world and you're doing outreach and stuff like that, you should know at least the top three or four that for people 10 to 34, all people in America, I know some of you guys are overseas. It's okay. Um all people 10 to 34 suicide is the second leading cause of death. And it's worth noting that the first leading cause of death for that age range is accidents, car accidents, what have you, um, things like that, things we cannot prevent. Uh, and so 10 <laughs> people, 10 to 34, basically the leading cause of preventable death is people feeling like they have no way out and they're hopeless and there's nothing that they can do. And they are, dying by suicide. Um, that's the main stat that we work with. Past that, 90% of all people who die by suicide struggle with a mental illness. Um, this is something we kind of all know that um, a suicide is kind of the end. Well, it shouldn't be the end. It, you, you know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, the, the culmination, if you keep following that path of depression, of severe anxiety, of panic attacks, um, there are other sorts of mental illnesses that you have less control over, such as bipolar disorder, uh, schizophrenia and stuff like that. But, um, uh, yeah, 90% of all people, um, uh, who die by suicide have a mental illness, uh, people. Uh, so NAMI uses the words, most people cannot access or afford 
the treatment that they need to uh, for their mental illness. Uh, treatment being medical treatment. So whether it's prescriptions, whether it is therapy or counseling, um, everything the heart support does not do. Um, <clears throat> getting treatment, most people cannot afford it, especially with COVID going on. Um, if your healthcare is tied into your job and you lose your job, uh, most people cannot afford to maybe even pay their copay when they have insurance. If you right. don't have insurance, it's very difficult. Also put on top of that the fact that most people do not seek treatment for their mental illness on their own. So if you have severe anxiety or depression, um, trying to get online and figure out how to find a counselor or a therapist, going to that counselor or therapist, um, uh, it can be very nerve-wracking, can induce panic attacks, and then finding the right therap therapist or counselor for you. So it might be you know uh, a couple of months process to, if you can afford it, yeah. the treatment that you need. So what we're seeing is those statistics and then also the fact that there are hundreds of mental health nonprofits all over the country. And a lot of them are doing great, great work. Mental Health America, NAMI, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Um, some of you guys work for these organizations. All great. Um, but whatever, a heart support, whatever it is we're all doing is not working well enough. Um, we're, we're helping people and we're doing good. The impact isn't there yet because the suicide rate continues to rise. Um, and I'll, I'll end that short section by saying that the World Health Organization, every 10 years, does a study where they have like 20 criteria for a healthy, healthy society where they do a survey. And so they're doing another one right now. They're doing the next one for the next 10 years. Yeah. And you've got, you know, obesity, cancer, all these different things. And one of them is mental health and suicide rates. And if you go to their page and look that up, suicide and like something else, two or three other ones are red, bright red, because in the 10 years, they did a bunch of stuff. They did research through millions, probably billions of dollars at it. And the suicide rate is going like this still. Um, those are the stats right now. Yeah. And, and it's, it's incredibly, like I said, the gravity that people don't understand is, like you said, 10 years old, 10, 10 years old, and people are taking their lives at, at 10, you know, um, to say that, you know, mental health and mental illnesses truly have no criteria, you know, they can affect anybody. Yep. It, it's so prevalent in, in what we do with this. Um, and I do want to touch on one thing that uh, Heart Support does is they've partnered with BetterHelp. So if people go to betterhelp.com slash heart support, yep. um, they do get a free week trial of basically online counseling or, you know, digital counseling. Um, and then they can proceed past that and work with them as far as um, financial assistance and things like that. So yep. um, I do think that's a, a great partnership that, that has yep. been formed through heart support. Yep, definitely. We yep. love their help. Yeah. So, um, and I think the, the big thing for me with BetterHelp specifically, it's, it gives you the ability that you can address your issues in that moment of crisis. Yep. So being that it's mostly telecommute, digital, whatever, <laughs> it's not, well, I've got an appointment in four days. I have to bottle everything up and wait four days versus yep. I can reach out right now yep. and most therapists are getting right back to you. Yep. So that's, that's huge, I think, and that's a 
great step in that direction of what we were talking about. It's everybody's doing a lot, but it's not quite enough. And I think that is one of those things that's going to help push it over the edge just a little bit where you don't have to wait. You're not scheduling out your problems. It's I'm having a problem. I need to deal with it. And you can get that immediate assistance. Yeah. Especially during COVID. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, we're going to throw out uh, little Miss Taylor asked you a question. Uh, she wants to know what the key is to the most perfect barbecue and Ooh. how she make it in her in her microwave. <laughs> oh, wow, that's really hard. <laughs> Taylor Palmy? Like heart support Taylor? Yep. <laughs> oh, come on. Um, oh, how do you make it in the microwave? You can't. You can't. <laughs> um, I'll go. I'll go. Dad, answer here and say that. Um, really, really good barbecue is just patience. Um, it, I was about to say it really isn't that hard. Actually, it's really hard, but, um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, like anything else in life, learning the principles and cultivating, uh, the principles and not worrying about superfluous, trying to use big words. I'm saying them wrong, not worrying about shiny things that, uh, shortcuts and things like that. So barbecue is a great metaphor that I use all the time because to smoke a brisket that is this big, uh, it is a, you know, 20 hour endeavor, you know, maybe give or take some hours or whatever. But a lot of people, when they want to barbecue, they go and search for like secret recipes or they get the right rub or the right sauce or whatever. If you follow me on Instagram, you know, I'm not about the sauce. Um, and you know, Oh yeah, I got this secret blend of like uh, spices and stuff like that and all that. It's not about that. It's about if if you're trying to do real good barbecue, first you're cooking with wood, not charcoal. So, and that is a really, really, really hard thing to do. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> building, maintaining, starting a fire, uh, the coals that burn down and the temperature they burn at and when to put more wood on and all of that stuff is really more of the challenge than the meat really is. Right. The meat's just like the recipient of what the fire is doing. And depending on the, <laughs> I'll get all into this, depending <laughs> on the type of wood that you, you that you're using, oak, mesquite, pecan, whatever, the smoke that's coming up off that wood tastes and smells differently than, than the other wood. Yeah. So man, yeah burning wood down to coals, when to put it on, how much smoke you want, making sure the smoke isn't too dense so you get like a bitter taste off of it, making sure the airflow in your particular smoker is is good. Um, man, stuff like that is, it gives you a better uh, flavor on your meat and it gives you a better like finished meat product yeah. and stuff like that. Um, yeah, hang about the sauces and the rubs. <laughs> No, and I, I do think that that's a good metaphor. Like Taylor uses the the baking a cake thing, but like for barbecue, you know, it's the patience and time. We know the end goal is that we want something delicious, yeah. but you have to take the right steps and slowly build to getting to that end goal. Um, and I, I think for Taylor's answer, the best way to get it out of the microwave would be to have you make it, mail it to her and let her heat it back up. Put it in the mic. Yeah. <laughs> that is the answer. That's the answer. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Solid. Yep. Um, so let's talk a little bit about <laughs> self-care specifically. Um, you know, it's a big thing for 
us in the masterclass as well as heart support in general talks a lot about self-care and um, kind of pulling yourself out of those those dark places and things like that. What does self-care look like to you either from a, or maybe both, from a uh, definition standpoint and then a it practical in practice? Yeah. Um, and I'll try not to go too much into fitness because I know somebody had a, an even more in-depth question there. But yeah. um, for me, it's uh, spiritual, mental, and physical. Um, and kind of in that order too. It doesn't always have to be in that order, but <clears throat> um, yeah, it's hard to take care of your body if your mind's not right yet. And then spirit being the top thing there. Right. So yeah, for me, I'm always checking in. Uh, self-care definition means that ultimately you got to put yourself first to uh, perform at your best, whatever it is that you're doing. And the word perform, you know, it's not just like athletics. That's not just uh, your job being a good husband, being a good girlfriend, uh, being a good father, whatever, uh, whatever your roles are, whatever it is, what you do every day, you wake up and you can either be not good at them or good at them. <laughs> and the capacity that you have to be awesome at them is dependent on how good you're taking care of yourself. So, um, self-care is just shoot from the hip, uh, optimizing yourself to be who you are who you are. So self-care is, is more important than probably anything else, uh, in your life. Um, how much money you make, uh, the relationships that you have, um, self-care is more important because you are you before you are anything else. So I would define self-care as having, um, a mind, body, and a spirit that is very, very familiar with who you are your purpose and what you are here to do and takes care of yourself in a way that allows you to do that in the best way possible. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's pretty much spot on for kind of like how I view it as well, where, you know, at heart support, we say a lot of, um, you can't pour from an empty cup. So, you know, if you're not taking care of yourself and recharging your own (laughs) batteries and getting your, your head right and everything else, you can't support anybody else the way that they, that you want to, um, or the way that they may need. So, you know, being able to focus on yourself, whether it's through exercise or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, I think that's a defining factor in how much support you're going to be able to provide and what that quality of support is. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Uh, so we'll jump on since, uh, fitness was going to be one of them. We'll jump on the (laughs) question. Um, because you do work out a lot, how do you use that for self-care and not let it spiral into kind of the unhealthy, I have to be at the gym every day obsession? Um, kind of what does it look like to regulate for you? Well, this is, this is good timing, um, on this question because I've recently, uh, taken a look at the way I do fitness and switched it up a little bit because I have long struggled with body image issues and being overweight. Um, and I know that you know, if you look at my Instagram, it looks like I've got it all figured out, you know, uh, yeah, I lift weights a lot and fitness and all this sort of stuff. Um, not until my thirties did I start to really become mature in the way that I work out and, and, and more importantly, what it's for. So in my teens and my twenties, it was to have a six pack and look good. That's all it was. (laughs) And, um, that that's all the fitness was. And it was very much, um, losing weight, and having defined muscles and 
whatever it is that society is deeming looks like a man, right? And that's the easy, you, the women, if you guys are listening that you guys have it much harder than we do much yeah. harder. But, uh, for me, that, that's what it was. And so when I would get <clears throat> overweight, uh, you know, when I was going through the Marines in college, um, food was definitely a comfort for me too. So I work out like crazy. Then I binge on food. I go to pluckers. Oh, that's an Austin thing. You guys, I go to, <laughs> I get wings, uh, you know, whatever I would literally buy medium pizzas like Domino's pizzas and just hammer one down by myself, yeah. you know? And it was one of those, when you're like early twenties, you can do that <laughs> like, <laughs> and go work out. And it's not that big of a detriment now. Like I'll have a beer and then be hung over the next day. <laughs> but, um, yeah, for me, I've always struggled with, okay, I'm working out, I'm eating or whatever. And my measure of success is how I looked in the mirror. I would go look in the mirror and we all do this. I'd, you know, front and then, you know, stand to the side and just critique myself on, on all parts of my body. And man, if you guys aren't like 26, 27 yet, once you get these, these back things right here where your kidneys are, they don't go away. They never go away. And so uh, every photo you're in, everything that you do, you're always looking at yourself like, oh man, am I really there yet? And sometimes you might get to that mythical place. You're like, oh man, I look really, really good right now. But that doesn't give you like lasting joy. It right. just gives you like, oh, that's, that's kind of nice. I mean, that is nice, but, eh. and then, you know, you go right back to whatever. Um, so for me, I started looking and examining, um, uh, before I worked at hard support, when I started working at hard support, I got really into uh, looking into and taking the time and talking with God, talking about, what is my purpose and what am I here to do? And so that was most of the spirit stuff. And so once I figured out what my purpose was, it whittles down to, you know, my mind and what it is for and then what my body is for. And so when that trickled down for me, uh, my body is a, is a, an expression of self-control. Um, and so that, that's how I look at it now. And for me, I want to be able to, do not so much, not so much about how I look. I want to be able to do right. So what I'd been doing when I was in my twenties was running, lifting weights, a lot of CrossFit stuff, a lot of military stuff. And in my mind, it was very like, okay, I'm going to burn fat and just like look good or whatever. Now I, I make it a point not to really look at myself in the mirror, um, which is hard when you go to the bathroom, there it is right there. <laughs> um, my wife uses a scale, you know, and scale is always there. Um, but I looked at those things and realized that those are markers that are trying to tell me, trying to uh, define for me my own worth and all that sort of stuff. And I'm not letting them. I made a decision consciously to say, you are not, you do not define uh, uh, my body and what it is for and all that sort of stuff. Society and their image of what a man is supposed to look like, I am denying that. I'm saying no to that. Uh, So I just switched it up recently and what I literally do to work out is that um, uh, I just try and keep it performance-based. Um, there might be like something that I get into for a while, like martial arts or rock climbing, fun. But yeah. with COVID and everything, I, I have a home gym, which I didn't realize how lucky I was to have that until people were like, I can't buy weights. I can't even find them. Right. Um, so Mondays, I lift really heavy weights. Uh, I go in there, I do deadlifts and squats. And it's not so much about the number that I'm hitting and how strong I am. It's about today that I find that end wall where this is how strong I am. And did I try to hit that and try to punch that. And, um, 
it's pretty easy to find that wall when you're doing deadlifts. <laughs> so <laughs> like Monday is just grinding it out, just picking up heavy things. That's all it is. Um, and I do track how much I'm lifting, but that's just to see if I'm keeping where I'm at. That's right. sort of I don't try and get too judgmental on how much I bench, bro. You know, that's okay. yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Wednesday, which I just, just said this morning is uh, speed or stamina related. So, um, used to be CrossFit type stuff, uh, Taylor Palmby type stuff. So yeah. running in place, everything you've seen her do that used to be Wednesdays right now I'm doing sprints. So there's just like a bridge, uh, in my neighborhood that goes over a, uh, a tiny pond and there's like two straightaways that go down and like wrap around another bridge. And right now, uh, I'm timing how long it takes me to get all the way down and back and timing how many times I have to stop sprinting. Um, so that's like brand new. I've only done that two or three times, but, um, that was just, just speed. It's how far I can go and how fast I can go. And it's really challenging. <laughs> it really got me this morning. Um, and then Friday I do yoga. Uh, if you live in Texas and you have a garage and you have a hot yoga studio for free. So I, uh, it's probably not safe. And I text my wife. I'm like, Hey, I don't come out of the garage like an hour. Come find me, <clears throat> but I'll go into the garage and, uh, do yoga and stretch out and check in with my body and see where it's at. Um, I have a lot of aches and pains, uh, for my time in the military and stuff and just, uh, stretch everything out. And I try that mentality. I try and get into an empty mentality. So I do it on Friday on purpose. And I do it after work and all the stresses and all the anxieties from work and all the, all the relational stuff, try to just dump that out. And, um, yeah, do yoga on Friday and that feels really good. And that's what I'm doing now. And it is based on me and being the best, uh, forcing my body to do basically what I wanted to do Yeah, and self-control is the goal for me. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I have to ask, do you, uh, Ben and Jake have any, uh, competitions between each other though? I mean, no, man, we, should, support? <laughs> we should, we should, I think, you know, Oh, somebody posted that in the chat too. I think I might have been on leg stuff. I think I might, I feel like he deadlifts more than me though. I feel like I might do legs some more than him, but Ben's upper body is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so I think he can probably curl as much as I bench. So, um, <laughs> And then, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know about Jake. I've never actually like worked out with Jake, but we should heart support is starting to look at the fitness community too. Yeah. Like that's definitely a thing. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We I, should. I think that should happen. You guys should do like some sort of Instagram challenge or something with each we other. Should do that. Yeah. With like more weight. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so within heart support specifically, let's talk a little bit about, um, kind of what you were saying earlier about the impact zones and, and long-term goals. I know some of that's still kind of under wraps and, you know, there's some things we can't talk about yet. Uh, but let's say perfect world grand scheme, like what's the plan that, that you would like to see heart support do? Yeah. Oh man. That's a really, really good question. And that is also a question that everyone should ask Dave next class. So we have a class tonight, which is Jake and Nate. And then um, in two weeks, Dave and I are doing the city initiative class, which I know a lot of people are, are waiting for. Yeah. Um, the ultimate goal, and Dave will be able to speak to how it looks like more because he's the architect of it, obviously, <clears throat> is to have impact zones in the cultural centers of the country. So... Right now, we've got 
Uh, same again, Houston, Lancaster, New York, which is I matter and what Dave does Detroit, LA and Nashville. And those are on purpose. Um, those are cultural capitals of the country. And there are others that we want to go to Austin, Dallas, stuff like that. We want to build a movement within those cities. Um, we don't necessarily want to come in like, like most nonprofits do and say, all right, we're just going to set up the Houston chapter of heart support. We're just going to like do whatever it is we do. We're going to do it in Houston. And, uh, John will hire like five or six people and have a little team and, and they'll just give out resources and stuff like that. Um, it's much bigger than that. It is going to be different in every city, but what the local impact zones are going to provide is a group, a body of people who refuse to accept the statistics that I've just mentioned. And then more than those statistics. So if you've been watching really closely at Heart Support, you can see that we're also getting outside of mental health a little bit. Mm-hmm. So where it was uh, uh, self-harm, it used to be when it started, self-harm and suicide in the metal music scene. Uh, it has expanded into mental health in general for everybody and also a little bit more. We've been intentionally talking about racial justice. We've been intentionally talking about for Houston, uh, human theft, which is the phrase we were trying to use for sex trafficking is right. what we're talking um, substance abuse is definitely up there, although that's always kind of been in our wheelhouse, uh, substance abuse. It's going to depend on the city, but largely we're going in with an attitude that refuses to accept these statistics like Houston is the number one city for sex trafficking in the country. I don't know anything about sex trafficking. I don't know how to defeat it. I don't know how to do that, but we're going to look at it and we're going to see how to do that and we're going to go try And Dave's model is predicated on uh, three or four big moving pieces, which uh, he'll talk about in a couple of weeks. But it's basically um, you go into a city, you talk to your network and the people that you know, and you find a group of people, a small group of really committed, dedicated individuals that have what Dave calls horsepower, people that can actually empower hard support to do stuff. Um, When you find those people, you reach kind of a critical mass Uh, you throw some sort of banquet event. Uh, We call it a coalition banquet because we're building a coalition of uh, business leaders, church leaders, nonprofit leaders, government leaders uh, to come in. We sort of present the issue and where it's at, and we call them to action. Uh, The Houston banquet is in two two months. uh, Stay tuned for that. Um, So, yeah, so we do a banquet event, something like that. We also either create or sponsor a cultural festival or event. So every city, no matter where you're at, you got a big music festival. Um, we did a film festival this year. And by we, I meant that Dave went and checked it out. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so big event in the city, whatever it is, we look at uh, sponsoring it or having a tent there and having a presence there. So for Houston, uh, we were lucky and got to sponsor a um, festival called Loud Fest, which is a hip hop festival, mm-hmm. which is going to be with COVID. It's been postponed twice, but it's supposed to be in December. So we're going to go there and we're going to uh, uh, do outreach. We're going to set up the hard support tent. We're going to talk to people and start building our base of followers, grassroots, stuff like that. Uh, The next big thing that Dave does is school assemblies. So I've never done one of these, been a part of them or anything, and I'll I'll have to be trained uh, to do that first. But it is getting into the schools because that's stat 10 to 34. And so... The younger that we can empower and equip young people to 
fight their mental illnesses and be a part of this movement, the better. So all I know about school assemblies is that we go in, we have a day, the whole school comes in, we do some kind of performance, Dave speaks and does his magic. Uh, we meet with the teachers, uh, the parents, we educate, we give resources, all that sort of stuff. And those are the main pieces. And it works because, well, I don't really know how it works, but uh, Dave pioneered the, the concept in Elmira, New York, uh, which if you don't know, 10 years ago had the country's highest rates of suicide. Um, Dave uh, built the board and the mechanisms for what is now the iMatter Festival and the iMatter Foundation. Those suicide rates plummeted. They're, they're not gone, of course, but they're way lower. Elmira isn't even close to being uh, the highest in the country. So we come in and we build a coalition. Um, we don't say that we have all the answers. We're not saying we're, we're the mental health people that are here. We're going to do it better than NAMI or MHA or whoever. We work with those organizations, um, with the uh, government pieces in the city. We build a coalition and we create a place where the kids know that there is a force that is fighting for them uh, and is going to always fight against things like fear and hopelessness and stuff like that. And that is like the tip of the iceberg on the city initiative. So <laughs> Dave is the guy that y'all want to go after for those. So. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think the, the cool thing is it's something that Taylor and I talked a, a little bit about too, is building the coalitions and her and I use the term community, you know, like it's, yes, heart support is an organization in the legal and financial sense. It is an organization, but it's really about the community, whether that's the team members or like the heart uh, support wall with the forum. Like it's about bringing everybody that we can to the table so that we can figure out the best way to attack the problem, to provide that outreach and kind of safety net people as much as we can. Yeah. And it's, I, I should mention too, that it is um, bringing all of those uh, cloud things to each city. Um, uh, the Twitch stream and, and doing live streams at certain events. Mm -hmm. uh, there's going to be veterans in every city Ben's new veteran project. And, uh, and yeah, so it's bringing what we already do into each city too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Awesome. Um, for people that aren't familiar with it, Taylor and I talked about it a decent amount, but tell a little bit about your experience with the heart support wall. Um, it's obviously a free thing. People can be anonymous and all that, but oh, the wall. Yeah, 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 the wall. So let's let's talk about kind of the impact that you've seen that have or that you've, you know, any, any, I guess, success stories, for lack of a better term, around yeah. it, you know? Yep. Um, there are people that would not be here anymore uh, if not for our support wall. Um, it's gone through many, many iterations uh, since it was conceptualized, I think, 10 years ago. I think Jake started it himself at first and it was called if you know if you're an og hard sport person uh, you know the hard sport used to be called your life the first year it was um uh it came out and that's all jake wanted to do was build a a forum because he couldn't stay in all the cities he was touring in and uh allow people to just talk to one another like and that was it um which i guess you could even do on facebook back then or whatever right. you just create a group but <clears throat> We have built the wall, and I say we, mostly Nate, <laughs> has uh, built and developed and designed the wall 
to be a place where people can find generalized encouragement about literally anything. Um, so we, you know, say that we're a mental health organization and we are, but we have dealt with everything from body image issues. Like I've talked about people who are suicidal, um, depression, self-harm, anxiety, um, problems with their parents, um, anorexia, um, any kind of anything. It is a place where people can truly open up and vent anonymously. That's very important, uh, about what it is they're going through. And we've, you know, it's gone up and down in terms of how well we've run and made it effective. Um, I know there was a couple of years ago, a big concern that a lot of posts on the wall weren't being answered. They were being answered, um, not in a good timely fashion. Right. Uh, we've wrenched it down again. We, Nate has, uh, <laughs> done computer things to wrench it down to where now we can, we can say that anyone who posts on the wall will get a reply within a matter of two or three hours. Um, it's definitely not a crisis tool, you know, um, uh, for people who are suicidal or are in that sort of space, suicide hotlines, 911, uh, text crisis lines are still your answer for that. But getting plugged into the community as an entry point, and especially anonymously online, anyone right now can go do that. It is a really, really great tool. And honestly, our kind of main program uh, that we use. So when I'm doing city initiatives, uh, I meet somebody at a festival or whatever, I'm showing them on their phone how they can go text the support wall. And our, a volunteer from Oregon who knows Dan and Casey will come on and they'll be able to tell that person, hey, you're all right. You're going to make it. You can have hope. And maybe they'll send them a link to a copy of Dwarf Planet or they'll say, um, here are volunteers that, that are around you um, and stuff like that. So the support wall is kind of the, kind of the flagship program. Uh, and project that we have. Nate is spending hours and hours and hours of his time to develop the support wall to be more effective. Yeah. So I'd say look out for that too. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, you touched on one right there. Let's talk about some of the resources that, that Heart Support offers when it comes to like books and things like that. So there's Dwarf Planet, which has been um, there's rewrite and I know I'm going to miss a bunch. So throw those out and kind of just, you know, the quick snapshot of if you're struggling with this, this is what you need to look at. Yep. Uh, there's only five of them for now. Uh, yeah. Uh, dwarf planet for depression, rewrite for self-harm. Those are both Ben sledge. Casey wrote a book for Twitch streamers specifically you can Twitch on streams called you are not your stream. That one is more, it started out as an anxiety book. Uh, but then Casey wanted to do uh, streamers only. So that was about stream. And then we have two devotionals, one by Jake Lores called Mountains and one called The Embrace by Ryan Kirby of Fit for a King. And both of those are devotional. So if you're not a religious person, a devotional is um, you every morning read a chapter of the devotional. It's tied into scripture and stuff like that. And it's very much a, you know, first thing while you're drinking coffee type books. Those two, very relaxing. Um, and especially Mountains is really great because it shows you the inner struggles that Jake's been through. And, um, yeah, that was pretty impactful too. So yeah, that's, that's the quick snapshot. Yeah. For those workbooks. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Katie's other question for you is what's the most surprising thing you've learned in your position at heart support? I saw that. I saw her. Right. That was Katie Dolan. Hey Katie. Yep. <laughs> Katie's been with us for a while. She's really great. <clears throat> it's a surprising thing I've learned about heart support. Yeah, you know what? I would say the most surprising thing 
about hard support is that I realized that um, this particular thing that we're doing is, man, it's a big statement. One of the most necessary things that our society needs right now and is the best way to go about doing it. So um, I have almost left hard support a couple of times, um, not out of uh, grudgeness, but I'm out of more of like, oh, that pastor job did come up. Uh, uh, there was a job a couple of years ago helping foster kids and stuff like that. And so there have been points where I wanted to, to look around, but I'm not anymore. And I probably won't ever <laughs> anymore because uh, this particular mode of doing outreach and communicating with people and having relationships with people and the way that heart support does it, uh, A, I don't see anybody else doing, uh, or B, I don't see them doing it well. Right. Um, and that's probably, that's probably, I should probably retract that. There are a lot of good nonprofits. Yeah. But <clears throat> I remember asking Dave when he came on, um, he started talking about the things that he wanted to tackle and it was, uh, mental illness, uh, gang violence, uh, social justice, so racism, sexism, all your isms, um, sex trafficking. And I remember asking him, why those? Like, there are like tons of causes, you know? Like, right. why not world hunger, you know, <laughs> stuff like that? And he ended up saying, those are the biggest things that are impacting relational people and relationships. And <clears throat> if you look at America as a country and really the world, Hard support does have a lot of people that live outside of America. Um, we are, there's always, there are always wars and conflicts going on. In America, we live in a bubble. There are wars and there are fights and stuff like that. <clears throat> but for us, I believe that, it, especially in America, our particular fight is uh, internal. Uh, I think that we are fighting an enemy of fear and hopelessness and depression and what have you. And I think that that is our challenge. Yeah. Uh, I'm not worried about another country defeating America in the military. <laughs> and if you've been in the military, you're not worried about that either. Right. But yeah, it's very much a cancer um, that is running through, um, especially the minds of our young people. I think, I think that's our enemy. Yeah. And I think that we're not really awake to it yet. And I think that heart support is, and the people that, like yourself and everybody who, you know, the master class and everything else, the people who volunteer are awake to it. And, um, there is something that is, that is moving about and is, um, influencing and, uh, weighing on people to, to harm themselves. And I think that is our enemy. Yeah. And I think that I get to fight that particular enemy, um, to the best of my ability at heart support. So I've now forgotten your original question. Uh, that's my answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that pretty much hit it. So um, one thing that I think, you know, I agree, I think heart support, you know, I've, I followed to write love on our arms for a number of years, uh, hope for the day, heart support, you know, there's, there's tons of them out there, you know. Um, but I think the, the reason I've gravitated more towards heart support um, is because of the ability like through the wall and just all these other things, all these other little initiatives, uh, Twitch and what I say little, but you know, the, the little gears in the master of the machine, um, you know, I think it's all working towards the same goal. Whereas some of the others, it's, 
it's kind of like what I think you were getting at earlier is this is our main goal, but we're going to do this thing over here for no apparent reason. We don't know why yeah. it ties in, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's one thing that, that heart support does amazingly. Um, I will say I do like hope for the days, uh, suicide prevention month, their yeah. initiative this, this year was basically fuck the stigma. Um, because right, that, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, basically it, it boils down to Johnny and the team at, at hope for the day believe that, and I, I don't think we're any different that the stigma is the root cause of why people yeah. are not searching out the yeah. help that they deserve. Yeah. Um, and I always say the help that you deserve instead of the help that you need, because all yes. of us deserve to be the best version of ourselves. There's no, you don't owe anybody else but yourself. Um, so how do you feel stigma specifically? We've gotten to the point where, you know, in the last probably three to five years, it's becoming more of an open conversation. How do you think we finally got to that point and, and what's going to help push us there? Yeah. Uh, I'll have to make my answer a little shorter because, uh, ironically, I'm going to meet with Nate and Taylor here in yeah, about eight fine. minutes <laughs> You're fine. Uh, for our fall happenings. Um, I think that phrase, fuck stigma, which I'm glad to say here, is, is that the attitude behind that, I think, is what has ballooned out and, and come out the past three or four years. If you've ever spent more than five minutes with Dave, um, he will use that phrase. And it's, it's a real phrase because the man has lost people. He's lost young people. And so for, for me and Ben and the rest of the staff, we're younger. We have definitely lost volunteers and we have lost people as well, but we're still pretty young in terms of like all of life. Right. So <laughs> I, which I'll say, uh, but we're still pretty young, especially Taylor. And we're still very like, yeah, we're going to fight this thing. Yay. And that's all of our attitudes. And it's very happy. And the difference between all of us and Dave is this, this, this grave um, understanding of what it is that we're fighting. Yeah. And I think that he's been there, you know, for 10 years, 10 or more years uh, doing that sort of thing. And I think that our country and everyone else is waking up to that because of people like Dave who have really high credibility, um, really high trust is a dude you want to follow and those particular people are saying, we have a problem here. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on. It doesn't matter your life experiences. Um, there are a lot of people that are feeling uh, trapped and hopeless and alone. And they're taking themselves out. And, um, yeah, your question was, yeah, how is the stigma coming along? Like right. what, yep. what's happened in the past three or four years? I think we're just losing more people. And the Internet which is the best and the worst thing ever. Uh, you know, Instagram, Facebook, uh, technology, constantly pinging up us with stuff that doesn't matter, the news included. Um, I think we're being bombarded with messages constantly about our lack of worth and how crappy we are and how, how we don't look the way that we're supposed to look. We don't believe the things that we're supposed to believe and all that sort of stuff. And I think that people are getting pretty sick of it yeah. and uh, all they need. I think all that most people need is someone to say, you know, you can fight this thing. Um, you can do it. 
on your own. And then when you're ready, you can join us and we'll fight it together. Yeah. 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 I would definitely agree with that. So uh, last thing, I'll let you get to your, your meeting with Taylor and Nate. Uh, last thing, obviously, I'm going to plug all the, the socials and all that sort of stuff, but give people kind of your less than five minute snapshot of this is where where we want you to be. This is what we want you to do. You know, that whole shebang. Yeah. Um, for the, who, the audience and is it for masterclass specifically or no, this will be, this will be the podcast in general. So anybody that ends up hitting play on this one. Oh, cool. okay. General people. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's what I thought. Yep. Um, if you have ever struggled with mental illness, if you ever have been depressed or sad, if you know someone that has panic attacks or is depressed or struggles with anxiety, anything like that, um, we don't want you to join us in this fight. We want to tell you that you're already in it. <laughs> you and your friends and your family are already in this fight. And we are not the only ones fighting it. So I'm not going to say heart support is the best organization that has ever been. No, we do our part. We do it very well. Two our love on her arms. Great. We love those guys. Uh, Johnny, I work with Johnny on Warped Tour personally. Great dude. Uh, uh, find a place. Let me back up one. First of all, get, get in centered with yourself understand what your purpose and what it is you're here to do. I talk about this a lot. Um, it can be general. It can be, Oh, I want to help people. Oh, I want to uh, improve the world. That's totally cool. It's going to take you like a decade to figure it out. Right. Uh, get convicted that yes, there is something inside of me that is saying, yeah, I want to do this. Uh, I want to help other people and better the world. Get that conviction first, then go find a place where you can put it to work. Um, we can definitely use it heart support. Um, if you are able to sit down with another person and tell them you are loved and you are valued and you're not the first person to go through what it is you're going through, you're going to be okay. I can't fix you, but I'm going to walk with you while you figure out what it is to help yourself. If you're able to do that, let us know we're around. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, man. I appreciate your time. Um, this will probably go up probably looking at Sunday. Um, you know, kick off the, the next week. So that'll be the 20th. Um, you know, we'll keep it posted and, and plug everything. Like I said, and looking forward to class, man. Sounds good. Josh, this is really great. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your time. This is a, this is a pleasure. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Good deal, man. Well, I'll hit you up later about something else I'm sure. And, uh, let's have a great day. (laughs) Sounds good. You too. Have a good one. And that was my conversation with John. Um, really like that dude. Uh, like I said, he's incredibly positive. Um, the way that he talks, and I'm sure he's going to listen to this and and maybe roll his eyes or or whatever uh, for the compliment. But um, the way that he talks is super empowering. Uh, I don't know if you guys kind of feel that as well, but like the way that he delivers the the statistics and his story and all of that just it it has such an energy to it that makes people want to share their stories or, you know, find out more about how to get involved and and help with whether it's heart support or just knowing the stats so that they can do whatever they can to to assist with mental health. Um, it, like I said, it's very empowering. 
Um, he has a, a way of of directing people and kind of whether he realizes it or not, uh, he's got one of those leadership qualities where when John talks and is excited about something and is trying to get your buy-in in it, you're going to be bought into it by the time he's done talking. Um, it's, it's an awesome thing to, to see. Um, really appreciate again, him taking the time to tell his story, kind of how he got involved with heart support, um, talking about how, how to make awesome barbecue, uh, things like that. You know, it, it was a real pleasure to have some kind of one-on-one time with him and discuss these, these things and the gravity of the situation, you know, like we talked about in the, the actual conversation there, the, the statistics are scary, you know, as young as 10 years old, um, that suicide is the second leading cause of death, you know, and if you really think about it, like John said, number one is accidents. So if you really want to want to look at it this way, suicide is the number one preventable cause of death from 10 to 34. It's such a massive problem. I think my words are going to be that, you know, obviously I encourage you guys to find an organization you like, um, that you like the values of or like the people that are involved in it, things like that. Um, you know, like John said towards the end there, heart support's not the only one. Um, they may not be the best fit for, for everyone just based on whatever your thoughts or goals with a mental health organization is. Um, you know, I personally am a big fan of heart support, uh, to write love on our arms, hope for the day, NAMI, crisis text line. You know, I've, I've said it time and time again throughout the, the podcasts that have already been up and I'll continue to say it because it's a fight worth fighting. Um, everybody deserves to live a life, to live a happy life, to live without feeling like they are for some reason a burden or not good enough. Um, and I think heart support, you know, again, does a phenomenal job. Uh, I always do like to say that I am not a licensed professional. John is not a licensed professional. Most of the team at Heart Support are not licensed professionals. We're all people that have experienced things and can speak from our our life experiences. Um, and there are resources on Heart Support's website to get you in contact with actual licensed certified professionals. Um, we mentioned it in the conversation, but I do want to mention it again. If anybody has been thinking about doing some sort of, you know, digital or telecommuting um, counseling, it, it's pretty simple. Uh, better help. I am not getting paid by them at all. I'm not getting any kickback from them or heart support or anything like that. But if you go to betterhelp.com slash heart support, uh, 
you're going to get a one week free trial, uh, get, you know, partnered up with a, a therapist, be able to start those conversations. BetterHelp also has financial assistance for lower income people or whatever the case may be. You can file for that as well. I personally like the idea that if you sign up through betterhelp.com slash heart support and continue your therapy after that free trial, a portion of that does go to heart support for them to help connect more people to better help or to resources that they need, you know, and um, it's a, again, a cause that I very strongly feel that um, I want to be a part of and hopefully you guys do too. So I appreciate your time. I know this is a little bit long of an episode. Uh, Hopefully you stuck around here till the end. Um, Be sure to check out Heart Support. We've got all of their um, socials listed in the description of the podcast, as well as where you can find the Heart Support wall and the resources page. Uh, As John and I talked about, there are a few books that they have, things like that. Um, And yeah, you know, it'd be great for you guys to even just check it out. You know, if if you don't feel like you need it right now, but you want to kind of bookmark it for a later day or just see what's out there you know, that's cool too. Um, lastly, I will say we are going to continue a, a few of the mental health awareness designs. So if you head over to you make the scene.com slash shop, there are mental health awareness, um, t-shirts and a sweatshirt and this really cool tote bag. Anything that you buy on there, a portion of the proceeds, um, basically the profits <laughs> that that are on there, uh, are going to go towards the different mental health organizations, whether it's Heart Support, Tawaloha, Hope for the Day, NAMI, Crisis Text Line. Um, you know, we're we're going to do our part to to help support as well. So check that out. Uh, as always, if you could give us a like, a share, a follow, subscribe, all the, the things um, on the podcast as well as Instagram and Facebook, um, that would be huge for us. It bumps us up in, in rankings and visibility and things like that. So that's always uh, a bonus for us. And that's everything I've got, guys. Um, again, I'm going to continue the self-care talk series, um, working out kind of a schedule for it, you know, try to do maybe one episode or two episodes a month that are just the self-care series. Um, and yeah, we'll, you know, keep you guys posted on that. So for now, that's everything. Uh, again, I appreciate everything you've done for me and remember guys, take care of yourselves Take care of each other, and you make the scene.